Welcome to KC Corner, episode 175. We are in the home stretch of our uh, Bible reading schedule here. Wow. And I sent you a text yesterday. We got we got three episodes left of it. We're going to cover seven days today. I believe it's December 1st through 7th in the schedule. And then the last two, we'll do nine days each. So we're wow. almost there. Here we go, Brooks. Here, here they come down the uh, the home stretch here. Mm-hmm. So it's just, Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll, we're moving through like lots of prophets. We're starting Revelation. Um, so lots of, lots of books left and, uh, you know, 25 days left of this uh, schedule. We're going to be through the Minor Prophets, which is a lot of smaller books in the Older Testament. Mm-hmm. The Older Testament. The Old Testament. The and, Older uh, Testament. The Older Testament. <laughs> it is an Older Testament. Uh, and then, and then you know, kind of get us ready for Christmas, because a lot of those uh, Minor Prophets have a lot of things to say about the coming Messiah, which is pretty darn cool. That so, is very cool. And I love the fact that, you know, one of the things I've always wanted to do, Brooks, like sitting behind you, there are some notebooks. And uh, over the years of reading through scripture, I've tried to break out some thoughts from Genesis to Revelation in different notebooks. And uh, here you and I captured it, brother. <laughs> you and I did it, you know. And so uh, uh, in the years down the road, you know, how cool someone can say, hey, what did they think about that? Mm-hmm. So and they'll oh, say, yeah. who cares? But, Th- but God's th- word is good. Three episodes left in this year, so Let's go. including this one. So we're, we're almost there and we're, we're rolling. Let's go. Hey, Brooks, I want to tell you one thing. I know, I'm, I know we got to jump in, but... Yesterday, I, I went and I looked at a Bible that my grandmother, uh, when she passed, was given to me. And that's the Bible I thought I'm going to read for next year. And I'm just kind of looking it over thinking, am I going to be able to, to do this? Because it's kind of old, like the, the cover's gone and it's, uh, you know, but it, and it's filled with a lot of her notes and a lot of her thoughts. I mean, there were like little newspaper clips from years gone by. There's There's notes about her son going to World War II. So there's... Really, it's really cool. But I found a letter in there uh, that was addressed to me, actually two letters that are addressed to me that somehow I, I had put back in her Bible that is dated, you know, when I was, one was dated in 1981 and one was dated just Wednesday morning. And, uh, um, but the both of them said, both letters said, I am praying that you will be a pastor someday, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's just amazing that she's she'll, she'll say in both of them, I will not live long enough to see the day, but I'm praying that one day you'll be a pastor. And so uh, it's kind of powerful to pull that out and just to know, wow, God did this. You know, I mean, at one time she's saying, I know you want to go to West Point and I know that, you know, you're, you're, you're an athlete and you're doing different things, but man, if you could be a pastor. So here we are. <laughs> she didn't care about those athletics. She, she wanted you to be a pastor. She didn't. And so, you know, I think the reason you and I are sitting here is because, uh, my grandma Blakeman. So anyway, there well, you I, I think you got to read that Bible then, even if it is a little beat up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it would be great. So, all right. So we have, we have gospel of John, you know, we're in a really incredible section of that upper room discourse. It's John 14 through 16, 11. We're in the first four chapters of Revelation. We're in Job like 23 through 30. And then we have two interesting prophets, Hosea and Joel. So are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. And starting off in John, I'm looking down at my Bible right now. I think all the way from 14 through where we'll go today, 16, 11, it's all highlighted except for like a couple verses. So oh, we're covering so cool. some important stuff today. Yeah, that's some really important stuff. It's the uh, it's called the Upper Room Discourse. This is, uh, it, it's, we've mentioned before, the Gospel of John really slows down and kind of uh, focuses in so intently and beautifully into Jesus's last week of his life and all the things that he was saying. So uh, it's some incredible stuff. In the very beginning, he's talking to his disciples. He says, okay, guys, uh, I don't want you to be troubled. Uh, you know, don't be dismayed. Uh, just believe in God, believe in me, but I'm going to go away and I'm preparing a place for you. Um, 
And I'm going to come back and get you. I love that is the fact that, that Jesus is not going to leave us alone. He's going to come back. He's going to give us a comforter. But he's going on back to the Father. And they're like, well, wait a minute. Where are you going? Uh, well, I'm the way and the truth and the life. That big, important phrase. And anyone who wants to come to the Father must go through me. And how amazingly important that is. And then Philip's like, hey, Jesus, show us the Father. Then we're all in. We believe. And he's like, Philip, come on, man. I mean, Father is in me. I'm in the Father. You see me, you see the Father. So really some interesting things there. And then at the end of 14 is the promise of the Holy Spirit. But it's one of those thunderous I am statements. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way of the Father. Think about that, Brooks, is that a lot of people will say, hey, you know, I can make my own stairway to heaven or I, I could do it on my own or all roads, you know, all religions are the same. They all lead to the same place. According to Christianity and according to Jesus himself, there is not many roads. There's one. There's not many ways. There's one. And he's it. Mm -hmm. And kind of off of that, Thomas said, Lord, we do not where, know where we are going. So he, he didn't have the confidence of like, I can make my own stairway to heaven. He's like, I don't If you leave, I don't know where the heck to go. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> and he's like, you know, hey, you guys know where I'm going. I don't know where you're going. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of confusion. Again, they hadn't been given the Holy Spirit yet, which, by the way, we see in the prophet Joel we're going to get to is the promise of the Holy Spirit. But yeah, um, but Jesus is trying to make it clear, hey, I'm the way home. And uh, I, as I've, I'm leaving you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you the promise of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to come back too. So and then anything else in 14? No, nope, go for it. So 15, you have this great statement. He starts off and says, I am the true vine. And then you want to say, well, what, what's the other vine? And throughout scripture in the Old Testament, not only in the Psalms, uh, but uh, the nation of Israel is referred to as a vine that out of Egypt, I have taken this vine and planted it in the Holy, uh, in the Holy land. And Jesus is saying, I am basically, I'm the true son of God, uh, the faithful son. I'm the true Israelite. All the promises of God flow through me and I am the vine. Um, and you know, I'm the one, if you, if you're connected to me and you are the branches, you're going to bear fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And, uh, uh, it's interesting. He says, hey, anyone who's not connected to me, the true vine, um, is going to be cut off and burned up. Mm -hmm. You know, ooh, you know, there's judgment coming if you don't have Jesus. But anybody who is who is bearing fruit, who is connected to me, I'm going to prune. Mm -hmm. And so both, both of them receive the pruning shears. I mean, uh, one is cut off. If you're not connected to Christ, uh-oh, no life. If there's no life in you, it's dead. You know, that's difficult and judgment's coming. But... If you are part of Christ, Brooks, you and I, as by God's grace, followers of Christ, he says, you're getting the pruning shears, but mm -hmm. you're doing it to bear more fruit. I'm going to cut off some bad stuff and I'm going to cut you back. And I remember anytime you prune something, it's like, oh man, should I cut this back? I remember getting some roses, some knockout roses. And the, the lady who sold them to me, uh, Lisa Appen, she was... She was, I was asking her, you know, how much should I trim them? She's like, oh, cut them, cut them way back. And I'm like, seriously? Oh, yeah. And they, they come back and they flourish. And so they bear much more fruit. So I just learned that lesson, too, as someone who over the summer we tried to plant some uh, marigolds. And I didn't know the whole pruning thing. And we had some 
Um, very sad looking marigolds. <laughs> <laughs> they were very stick figure-ish, few yeah. leaves here and yeah. there. And then uh, like a couple months ago, they planted some in front of our office and they're just big and bushy and stuff. Oh, so man. clearly I did not do the pruning so process. So yours aren't the marigolds. Yours are the sad... Yeah, they're, they're sad just like sad. They look like celery. <laughs> oh, no. It, oh, it, it did not look great. Not good. Not good. <laughs> so pruning, very important because it allows you to grow and flourish in different ways. And no one likes pruning. No one likes the, uh, the uh, pruning shears. I mean, it doesn't feel good at the time but mm-hmm. i love in 15 jesus is going to make it very clear listen if you remain in me if you abide in me and that's our union with christ and our communion with christ if we remain in him he says we can do anything all things are possible but apart from me we can do nothing and i love that contrast brooks that you know uh, on our own we're going to stumble and fall and we aren't going to be able to please the father but in christ uh, we have it. And then even in 15, he says, listen, I'm not going to call you servant. You're my friends. I'm telling you what's happening. And I love that he calls us friends. Um, and I love the fact he makes clear throughout this passage and it continues that, hey, I chose you. I initiated with you. You are you are mine. I love you. And uh, uh, I have chosen you. And again, it, to me, it just shows the sovereignty of God over all things, including our salvation. I can only imagine what's going through their minds when he says, uh, greater love no one has than this, that someone may lay down his life for his friends, and then going on, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. It's like, he, when you hear that, like, what the heck is this guy saying? Yeah, yeah, you know, and listen, he's we're going to bear fruit because he lays down his life. No one takes it from me, and, you know, I'm going to lay my life down for you, and, and, and with that... With the life, death, and resurrection of Christ is going to give us the fertilizer to, to be able to bear fruit. That's mm-hmm. going to be the life-giving. As, as he gives his life uh, as a sacrifice for us, that is going to be is a, that seed that, that dies is going to bear fruit. And, uh, um, you know, the only way we're going to ever bear gospel fruit is through his life, death, and resurrection, fertilizing our lives and, and helping us to grow. Because right after that section where he talks about him loving them and to love each other and, and to abide with each other, right after that it says, the world's going to hate you. That's mm-hmm. that's probably why they need to love one another yeah. and why they need love because they're about to you know be, be persecuted and yelled at and spit at and everything in between. Yeah, and sometimes sawed in two and other things. And so it's interesting to me, I love that you brought that up, is how many times Jesus is going to say, love one another. He starts off a new commandment I give you in chapter 13, love one another. Here, he keeps beating the drum in 14, 15, and beyond of (coughs) loving one another. And, you know, we know that John's going to pick that theme up in in his letters as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Brooks, it's not enough that we love God. It's not enough. It's God's will that we love one another. It's, It's that the gospel should transform us in our relationship vertically with God and horizontally with one another. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's really good. A lot of people say, hey, I don't need anybody else. I just need to, you know, let me just give me the, my Bible and God and, you know, kind of uh, to heck with the world. But that's not true. He, mm-hmm. he wants us to love one another. It's great, so, great point. So how are we going to abide through this hatred? He's going to send a helper. Yeah. And the helper is going to be reveal all things that Jesus taught. I mean, the helper isn't on its own. I, mean, I love how the helper, the advocate, the paraclete in Greek uh, is that it's going to show you, remind you of all the things I taught you. It's going to illuminate my teaching. It's going to encourage you. It's going to comfort you. You know, sometimes in certain branches of Christianity, the Holy Spirit almost gets too much. Most branches doesn't get enough attention. But um, 
where, you know, he's kind of celebrated. Hey, do you speak in tongues? Do you have the, you know, it's all about the spirit, but the spirit's job is to magnify the sun, you know? And so, mm-hmm. uh, but remember how powerful the spirit is. The, the spirit's going to transform the disciples. They're going to go from scaredy cats to world changers because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, we see that through the book of Acts in the day of Pentecost. And I keep saying it again, but we're going to see that in the prophet Joel today. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the promise that the Holy Spirit's going to come. Yeah, there's a section that talks about the personality of the Holy Spirit. And it says it is the third person and it's to be viewed as a person, not as a force. It's, yeah. It uses personal pronouns when describing it. And then it goes on to say, because the Holy Spirit is a person, it is appropriate to pray to him. His role in prayer is to assist, assist us in expressing ourselves adequately to the Father as Jesus intercedes for us as our high priest. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. It's beautiful. And mm-hmm. he interprets our groaning. And so... Uh, and I love it. And I love the fact, here's God's hand of providence. And again, uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit uh, is being, fulfilled. it was back in Joel that we're going to talk about. Here's the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is promising it as well. And uh, we'll, we saw in the book of Acts is it was delivered. And thank God we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So Absolutely. And it, it kind of goes on to say, and like you said, the disciples turn from scaredy cats to world changers. And it says exactly that. Finally, the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit performing tasks that only persons can perform. The yeah. Spirit comforts, guides, and teaches those uh, around or those that have him. Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, we're going to do, it's going to be better for us that Jesus leaves, he's going to say in this, in this 16. It's like... Uh, because he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. How, how is that better that Jesus leaves? Jesus at that earthly ministry, he was in one place. I mean, obviously, um, uh, his connection to the triune God, it was he omnipotent, was he omnipresent? Well, at that point, no. But here we have the Holy Spirit who is who really is present in all of us forever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, empowering us. All right. We did a lot with that. So, yeah, let's let's go. You know, it's interesting too. Is Revelation uh, is also John. I mean, mm-hmm. so so we've looked at uh, the letters of John, first and second, third John, and here we have the book of Revelation. That's John. We were in the Gospel of John, and John is amazing. And you have, you know, John is the one who's got this wonderful, loving relationship with Jesus, and then you get to the book of Revelation, and he uh at, on the island of patmos comes face to face with the resurrected jesus and the way he describes him like his tongue is like a double-edged sword and the way he describes his clothes and his eyes and his hair he says he falls down like a dead man in chapter one when he sees who jesus is and his glory it is overwhelming to him. So this is the same one that in the upper room was leaning on his side and he's calling himself the one whom the disciple, or the one whom Jesus loves, the disciple whom Jesus loves. And uh, now he sees Jesus in his glory. He's like, whoa, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it's good to be reminded. It's interesting. Oftentimes people depict Jesus as a Fabio looking Jesus, you know, a a kind of a effeminate, you with, know, with some flow, yeah, some flow or whatever, you know, and you know he certainly is gentle, meek, and mild, but he's also, you know, he's gloriously exalted. And uh, um, but anyway, the Book of Revelation is going to tell us about the end, and it's going to tell us about that Jesus wins, and it's going to use uh, apocalyptic, difficult language, uh, uh, and it's not easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to have a letter. It's going to start off, hey, he's going to talk to the seven churches, the seven lampstands. 
Um, a lot of, you know, we got to look at the revelation uses numbers and number seven is, is going to be like uh, all the churches is completeness. <laughs> so when he's talking about the seven churches in Asia, which by the way, is modern day Turkey, um, he's got a message for them, but because he's got a message for us as well. And as you mentioned, I preached through this at King's Chapel. I mean, mm-hmm. early on, I wanted to say, what does he say to the churches here at the end? We got to look at that as well. So um, you want to talk anything intro before this? Yeah, the intro. So most of the uh, kind of intro sections for the books of the Bible are around like two or three pages kind of saying who wrote it, when we think it was written, the theology, where we see Christ in the book. Right. Revelation had 10 pages, <laughs> by far the the yeah. most of any. So it took a... <clears throat> excuse me, a couple days to finish like that intro section to kind of describe everything. And yeah. reading through these first few chapters, yeah, it reminded me of your sermon series you did mm-hmm. early on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like these, uh, these first, it, it, Revelation, Revelation has a slow ramp up. Like the first few chapters, you're like, okay, I can track this. Yeah, I can yeah, track yeah, this. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. you know, over the next <laughs> few weeks, it may get a little crazy. Well, it, it does. And, you know, I, I love that slow. It, it's some real practical, good stuff. It's talking to the seven churches. He's writing letters to the churches. Yeah. You can understand what they're saying. Yeah, and everything. You're tracking. exactly. There's still some kind of weird figurative language in that, and, mm-hmm. and there's some references that are ancient, you know, of different things that they were struggling with. But, you know, starting in chapter two, he and in, in, in chapter three is going to be the addressing of those seven churches and like Ephesus. Uh, man, you could go to Ephesus; it's a really cool place, and you can kind of see what he was saying there. But they lost their first love. They did a lot of good things. They had good head knowledge. Uh, they defended the faith, but their heart wasn't in it, you know? So it's not enough for Christianity just to have a good head and good good theology. It's kind of like the Pharisees. You got to make sure your heart is there. And then Smyrna, think of New Smyrna. Smyrna, mm-hmm. Smyrna was a pretty good church. They didn't mm-hmm. think they were much, but they were. Pergamon, uh, you know, they held to some false teaching. We got to be careful that we can't let false teaching creep in about what marriage is, what gender is you know, salvation. Um, and we got to guard like crazy, good Orthodox Christianity. Uh, Thyretta or Howard pronounced that had some sexual immorality that crept in. And again, we see that that just always seems to be creeping into the church. Um, you know, and Sardis is like, oh man, you guys, you guys are a mess, but there are a few good ones. You know, it's kind of the opposite. And there's some who hadn't soiled their garments so, so much. So, Philadelphia, you know, it's not the same Philadelphia in America because they're a good one. <laughs> the city of really love. So they're not throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. No, like they or do. batteries or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, Philadelphia is a crazy place. Sorry, <laughs> anybody from Philadelphia. But but to me, I want to look talk a little bit about Laodicea because Laodicea, um, it was a church that was both, they were lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they were uh, kind of blasé about things, you know. And it's interesting that uh, the word tells us, Jesus tells us that I wish that you were either hot or cold. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you're lukewarm makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. And, you know, the feeling of vomiting is gross. It's mm-hmm. one of the worst feelings. How can we ever have God want to vomit us out? It's Isn't it interesting? It's not, it's being lukewarm. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of being uh, blasé about this. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real challenge. I mean, I know we have a tendency. What's that thermodynamics? Isn't that the the law that things kind of? Oh, you're out here over your skis right here. <laughs> it really is. I'm way out over my skis. <laughs> but you know, things have a tendency to settle settle into. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But but <laughs> things that are in motion tend to stay in motion. Yeah, and, and but things that are uh, 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 
what's the law of where things settle to the medium? Then the the, the uh, regression to the mean. See right there. You yeah, know there now we, we see who the real smart one is right here. <laughs> Thermodynamics. So uh, so anyway, but you know we have a tendency to uh, to kind of not continually grow and, mm-hmm. and and be that lukewarm. So that's a pretty good challenge. And then chapter four, we only get the beginning of it. Is is this? Beautiful picture of the throne room of heaven. I mean, there's not many that we have. Isaiah gives us one. Here's one very similar in, in Revelation 4. And this holy, holy, holy God who's being uh, praised and adored. And I love, next week we'll get to chapter 5. And that's some of the coolest things. Yeah, 4 gives you a little peek in kind of the figurative, descriptive language. Um, kind of similar to what we've seen a little bit in Isaiah and Ezekiel. So it, it definitely starts ramping up in 4. And then, like you mentioned, in the 5 for next week. Yeah, I, I think so. So, all right. So we, we uh, the, the, the churches are addressed that relates to us as well. The throne room of heaven, and then it's going to tell us the the uh, the future, the opening up of these some scrolls of what's coming in the future. Very mm-hmm. easy stuff to understand. Yeah, super easy. Like oh, we're God. we're going to do an easy. You know, you guys will just be able to track with us. Yeah, pretty, yeah. You'll say, "Wow, I get it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so then we have the book of Job, and we've talked about this. It's it's a uh, really it's Job and his friends trying to discuss what in the world's going on with Job and why this is happening, and it's his friends completely missing. The, the boat and interpreting uh, Job's life saying, well, because you're such a terrible sinner, Job, this is why God's doing this to you. And Job's like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blameless, which doesn't mean I'm sinless, but I didn't do these things. And I just want to talk to God. So from 23 to 30, you have, you start with Job's kind of discourse. He's chat. Then you got a dude named Bildad who's piling on uh, to uh, um, Job and, then you have some of Job's final words, and, and uh, there's only one more friend discourse that's going to come up. But And it's interesting, too, in, in verse 28, it just kind of a whole chapter about wisdom. Where can you find wisdom? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, But it's 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 kind of the beating of the same drum we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of uh, trying to answer life's difficult questions uh, through the lens of what God is doing. And it's uh, people like Job's friends terribly interpreting God, Job trying to defend himself, but God's going to kind of correct him on that too. But anyway, two quick things. The, the, the discussions are very cordial and they have long, uh, you know, monologues, but I, I know when it's like me and my friends discussing whatever, you know, we're kind of going back and forth, quick hitters here and there. Like no one is getting a whole chapter of a, of a Bible book here <laughs> talking to each other. And yeah. the fact that he, he's allowing Bill dad to speak for such a long time, Job goes on a long monologue is, is kind of fairly impressive. It is impressive, but you know, he does say you guys are terrible comforters. Yes. You're, you're, yes. You're, the words that are actually being said is ter- yeah, are terrible. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> But he's going to kind of call him out. He's like, you know, and, and they're going to call him out. It's And it's it's interesting because you can see the smack talk of friends. I mean, there's there's one that's coming up is, listen to me, my words are pure. Listen, like I'm the smart one, you know. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this young dude that's coming up. Hey, I, I was patient, waited my turn, but I'm going to give you my thoughts. And, and uh, yeah, it's it seems to be a jockeying for positions. And mm-hmm. the longer it goes on, um, the, the, the more division there there is between job and his friends but you remember this end of the book god's going to tell job to pray for his friends and sacrifice for his friends Mm -hmm. he's going to bring them back yeah in 29 and 30 i thought that was kind of the most 
interesting parts of this section at least, where 29, he's making a defense of himself, saying how he gave to the poor, loved his family, he was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame, I was a father to the needy, and then right there at 30 it turns and the first line is, but now they laugh at me, men who are younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to set the dogs in my flock. Yeah. And so at 30 he's like, I was all these good things and all these bad things happened to me still. Well, you know, and that's because, again, his friends were saying the bad things are happening because you didn't give to the poor, mm-hmm. because... You you didn't clothe those who had need. You you didn't do it, and you you were selfish. And Job's like, no, I wasn't. You know, the truth is, is uh, I I was uh, I was looking out after him, and bad stuff still can't happen. So, mm-hmm. and I think uh, that's a good lesson for all of us. You know, we can't point to our record and say God owes us. We can't point to uh, say, hey, you know, bad stuff is going to happen. Rain is going to fall on the just and the unjust, and you know, the just and the unjust are going to all be subject to the difficulties of this world. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when we build our life on the Christ, the solid rock, we can stand. But it's uh, uh, but bad stuff. Christians are not exempt. Mm-hmm. Followers of Christ are not exempt from the difficulties of the world. You know, Matthew 7, Jesus says the wise one hears God's word, builds on it. And he's building on Christ. Everything else is shifting sand. So anyway, yeah. On to the last two books of this section. Yeah, so Hosea. Hosea is this amazing little story. I mean, you got this prophet Hosea. And can you imagine this? Uh, God says, says, hey, I want you to go marry a promiscuous woman. (laughs) (laughs) Go find yourself a harlot there, son. Oh, my goodness. So he finds one with a great name, Gomer. You know, I mean, you know. So tell me about your wife, uh, you know, Hosea. Well, this is Gomer. She (laughs) she was a prostitute. and, uh, And you think, what in the world? But again... Like many of the prophets, their lives parallel what's happening with God and his people. And God and his people had prostituted themselves to other gods. They they had given themselves away and God keeps pursuing them. And and so they're starting to have children and, and God gives them the weirdest names like you're not love, not my people and, and, and weird no mercy. names. No mercy. Uh, and things like that. It's like, you know, hey, he's supposed to be like a living story. Like, let's look at this guy's life. It's paralleling ours. And I'm not sure how many saw it. Maybe more that could read it than could see it. But what is beautiful about this is judgment is coming because of their sin. And it does come. And God warns us of that. But he can't stop pursuing them. You know, he's like, go back to your promiscuous wife and buy her back pay for her. She's already rightfully yours, but she's gotten herself in such a mess. Go buy her back. And, you know, that's what he does with us, the bride, the church. I mean, you know, we are, we are so (laughs) soiled, you know, we've polluted ourselves that he buys us back with his own precious blood, you know, with the blood of the lamb, um, with Jesus's blood. We, we are his by creation. We're his by promise. We're also his by redemption. And so, you know, even throughout the book of all this, hey, Israel, you're, you're, you're messed up. There's still this promise of, but I'm going to redeem. I'm going to restore. I'm going to heal. I'm going to bring you back. And uh, that's just who our God is. I mean, he's just, so that's, that's this really beautiful, there's a book called Redeeming Love. And uh, it's, uh, I can't remember the lady's name who wrote it, but it's a whole book of Hosea. And it's kind of set toward a, just the romantic side of this. And it's uh, 
It's a really popular book, a Redeeming Love. I'm going to look it up as we're talking. And, and what Hosea was kind of writing about here is uh, something that's called syncretism, which the definition is the process by which aspects of one religion are assimilated into or blended with another religion. This leads to fundamental changes in both religions. So things of the world or another religion was kind of bleeding into their culture and what they believed, and Hosea was uh, not happy about that and was pro- prophesying about it. And God never wanted us to have that bleeding into other cultures. I mean, he always wanted his people to be distinct, different, Mm -hmm. peculiar. Uh, By the way, it was Francis Rivers who who wrote this book, Redeeming Love. There you go. uh, You found it. Power uh, of Google. It's it's, it's a bestseller, by the way. There you Uh, go. 4.5 on Goodreads. Uh, They don't don't just give that to anyone. They they don't. I mean, they don't (laughs) just hand that puppy out. So uh, uh, the classic story. But anyway... um, it's a New York Times bestselling author. Mm-hmm. So there you, go. there you um, go. So there you have Hosea. I mean, again, um, but I, I, I love the fact God's people are messing up, and He has Hosea kind of personify what is happening. But it shows us God's just pursuing grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get Joel, and Joel again is another prophet of. And somewhat, you would say, a prophet of doom, that the day of the Lord's coming, and it's going to be dark, it's going to be bleak, it's going to be hard, it's going to be awful. I mean, locusts are going to come in and just, like, destroy. And uh, But you have in Joel 2, this small little book at, at, toward the end of, but there's a promise coming that he will pour out his spirit, not just give a drip or two. He's going to pour out his Holy Spirit, which we see Jesus talking about, we talked about earlier in John. Uh, it, in the upper room discount, this, this course, discount. And then, uh, um, you know, the pour out your Holy Spirit. And you look who he pours it out on. We're gonna, I'm going to pour it on a male and female. Mm-hmm. Not your servants. Everybody, everybody who thinks low stature, you're getting this too. I mean, this is God's amazing grace. It's not just for the religious. It's not just for uh, the males. It's not just for... The Israelites, it's for all who truly believe is this beautiful Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I love it. Can you read... In Joel 2, a little bit of the promise of the Holy Spirit coming. I mean, I just will, to, um, oh, and, and I will pour out my spirit. <clears throat> and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Wow. Even on the male and female servants. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like no distinction. I, I, I love that. And, you know, that pouring out of his spirit. You know, the Father gave us a Son. He gives us a Father and Son give us the Spirit. And, and the triune God, we need all of the triune God to, to, to you know, advance His kingdom, to live for Him, to bear fruit. And uh, John 15 talks about to abide in Him. But, you know, the promise of the Holy Spirit, just a game changer. You know, we're going to see, or we did see in Jeremiah in this promise of the new covenant that, that God is going to give us, a, put a Spirit within us. We saw in Ezekiel, that he promised us spirit that will be given to us. Remove our heart of stone. Give us a heart of flesh. And here we see in Joel this pouring out. It's Pentecost. It's it's the it's the foreshadowing of what happens in Pentecost in Acts chapter two, where the Holy Spirit is poured out after Peter's sermon, and then uh, the whole world changes. And that mm-hmm. goes back to Acts one eight, where Jesus says, "Hey." Um, 
I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you will be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the earth. And here we have it tied in. So let's, let's just tie it one more time. John 15 and 16, we were talking about 14 as well. And all through that passage, there's a promise in the speaking of a Holy Spirit being given. Joel is a very clear saying, hey, there's a day coming where I'm going to pour out my spirit. We see that fulfilled in Christ's resurrection. This one beautiful story. It's such an amazing God. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And going back to that day of Pentecost, it kind of is the uh, opposite effect of the Tower of Babel. All the people were right. speaking different languages and uh uh, divided, not unified. And at Pentecost, they were speaking different languages and speaking in tongues, but unified. Yeah, there. exactly. They and, could understand each other. Yeah. And, you know, where Babel, they couldn't. And uh, it's the unification. Good for you, Brooks. Wow. I, I, I didn't think that. of that. I look at, look at that. that is, <laughs> that's impressive. The reverse of Babel. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're mowing through the, the minor prophets. So we're going to continue on. We got two more episodes of going through the Bible reading schedule. And wow. we're, all, we're done for 2023 after that. Wow, that's amazing. It, it's feeling good, isn't it? It is. It is great. And for those of you who have listened uh, faithfully, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We really do appreciate it and just hope and pray that it's been a blessing. I mean, continue to dig in God's word. Um, I'm I'm 39 and I've read it for many years and it's, uh, I'm not 39, but it's always amazes me. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Any I case, love, oh, love doing it. Love doing it with you too, Brooks, by the way. Any KC updates before we get out of here? Hey, the biggest thing, Christmas Eve, we got one service. Uh, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. So we're going to have our 1030 service as normal because we love Jesus. And then we're going to have a, a one service at 5 PM. Uh, there's some really cool things you could do, uh, to help be a blessing this Christmas. Uh, you can help provide a, a Christmas meal for our missionaries by giving to that. Uh, you can buy a memorial point set. I think we have a few left uh, for our loved one. Um, and, you know, just get excited about what God is doing in our church and get ready for a new year. So uh, I can't think of anything else. Well, fun, busy time of year, that's for sure. And it really is. So, uh, you know what? I, I, I bought, I tried to fill in the holes of the Christmas lights I had outside. And, you know, I'm colorblind. So I went to Walmart and I bought um, some cheap net lighting and I bought four of them. Three out of the four didn't work. So I brought them, bought them back and I brought, I bought the, like the next rung up, you know, like this is going to be a little bit better. And I plug them in. I'm like, ah, oh, these don't look quite the same, but I'm colorblind. I start putting them out and I ask Allie, she comes home. I'm like, Allie, does that look weird? I mean, is, is it like, she's like, dad, they're blue. I'm like, they are? They're not They're not green. No, you have different color lights out there. So I had to uh, scrap the entire thing. Not, so I, I do have some lights out there, but I have less lights this year than ever. I Christmas kinda, decorations are canceled. Yeah, they're out. You know, But Jesus, the light of the world is shining, but my my walkway is not going to be shining. We'll, we'll but, try again next year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Sorry about that. Weird story at the end. We'll see you guys sometime. Blessings, everybody.